welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Well, before I go into the message, I want to honor my beautiful wife, Rebecca. She's originally from Perth. And... uh, I married above my pay grade. So come on, honey. Could you you please welcome her as she will say hello quickly. And uh, she has missed home. And God has now brought us back home. And this is home. So we are so excited to be here in this beautiful land. Amen. Would you pray for us as we are committed to see revival in this land. Amen. Amen. It is Always a pleasure to be back in Perth, which I always consider my hometown. And it's especially a blessing as well to have our family here. That's a real treat. We don't get that very, you know, get to experience that very much. So my, my brother and his beautiful wife are here. My, my sister-in-law, her family is here as well. My sister and my beautiful mum is with the baby at the back. So this is a, this is a real treat. And Tony and Nicole, thank you as well for, for coming this morning. Uh, I just want to share really briefly about, um, it's actually a testimony, an awesome testimony of what God did when we were on the way back here. You know, we've been packing up, doing the, you know, all the craziness that comes with moving. Anyone moved recently? It's insane. It really is. And especially when it's a trans-hemisphere move. This is the second one that we've done. But, um, so we were flying back. And I have this little prayer that I pray, especially when I'm going through airports, because there's been some crazy stuff that has happened in airports, unfortunately, especially in the US. So my prayer is always, God, let me be in the right place at the right time and never in the wrong place at the wrong time. And here's the incredible thing. So we get to LA. We were a little bit delayed, I believe. So we get into LA. I think we got in at like 5.30 in the afternoon. And we were out of there by 9.30. We almost missed our connecting flight because it was very, very close. And because of the delay, it was even tighter. But we're running through the airport. We're hot-footing it with the kids. Has anyone been to LA airport? It's, it's huge. And it's not very well signposted. You know, so we're trying to, to hot-foot it and, and get through there and get to the plane. And as I'm running through there, I remember a little prayer. And I'm just, I'm puffing and panting and I'm saying... God, right place, right time. Never in the wrong place, had the wrong time. Okay, thank you, Lord. And I keep running. We learned when we got here that that morning of July 4th, there had been a six-point-something earthquake. We flew out. The next day, there was a seven-point-something earthquake. So we were in and out between two earthquakes. How amazing is God? And I remember I looked down at LA as we were landing and it was a carpet of fireworks. Fireworks are not illegal there and everyone was sending them up out of their their backyards. It was just a sparkling carpet. And I had this thought, what are the chances of of there being a quake on the 4th of July? And now I believe it was the Holy Spirit telling me to pray. You know, sometimes that can happen. Sometimes we get this thought, but it's not actually us. God's trying to tell us something. So the verse that that comes to mind with that is whether you turn to the left or the right, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And it is important now more than ever that we are so fine-tuned to the will of God. You know, there's no safer place to be in the will of God. 
It's scary at times as well because God calls us out of our comfort zone. Amen. But we need to be in the will of God. Bless you guys. Thank you. Wow. Come on. Give the Lord a mighty hand. Never be at the wrong place in the wrong time. Amen. I want to honor our family here, our friends. We have a lot of friends and ministry partners who came this morning to support us in prayer. I want to honor you all by name. I can't do it by name, but I honor you all in the name of Jesus. And if you can just, uh, uh, my family, if you can just sort of wave your hand so we can uh, give you a welcome applause. Please, just uh, Rebecca's family. Well, my family too. God bless you. And we're all family in Christ. Amen? Would you please open your Bible in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 4, verse 1. Now, when Pastor Josh, Pastor Josh and I have known each other for a number of years, when he said, mate, I want you to preach out of uh, chapter 3 and chapter 4, I'm like, there is so much to cover in two chapters. I'm like, how am I going to do this? And I was praying and asking God, please help me out. I've never, never been given two chapters to preach a whole sermon. So this is going to be interesting. And, and so I sat down last night and the Lord gave me some really good jams and really good, good keys for breakthroughs. So I want you to be ready. I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures and I want you to go home and open your Bible and go through this scripture. So write down whatever you need to write down because the the Lord is going to speak to you. But I want you to start reading from verse 1, chapter 4. But it so happened when Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that I burn? And verse 3. Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said whatever they build if even a fox goes up on it he will break down their stone wall and then verse 4 hear O our God for we are despised turn their reproach on their own heads and give them a splendor to a land of captivity verse 5 do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be bloated out from before you for they have provoked you to anger before the builders verse Six. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. I want you to say, a mind to work. Now it happened, and, and, and so if you keep reading, you will realize how everything happened, how they came together. And um, if you read chapter 3, you're going to find out that chapter 3 is full of uh, historical facts and uh, the process of the rebuilding of the wall. And some of the gates, you know, they mention some of the names of these gates, like the fish gate in verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3. Uh, in verse 13, the refuse gate. In verse 15, the fountain gate. In verse 26, the water gate. Right? Not, not the Watergate scandal, but, you know, the Watergate. And then the Mifkat gate in verse 
31. Now, Mifkad in Hebrew means recruiting. It means recruiting and enlistment. So God is getting his army ready for what he's about to do. Nehemiah was a visionary. He was a man, a, a, a man with a plan, with a vision. He had um, a great plan in mind and he wanted to rebuild the wall and he wasn't doing it alone God brought people across his path he got an army ready of people that were willing to rebuild the wall with him he had the rebuilding spirit you know he was going to rebuild the wall he was said and determined to rebuild the wall now when you are going to rebuild a wall in your family and a wall is a you know, it's a, it's a fort. It's basically a place of protection. A wall is, is, is a symbol of strength. A wall is a symbol of protection. And a wall is a symbol of, of, of you know, of, of being ready. The city being ready and, and being capable to sustain a battle, to endure a battle. So a wall is very important. I know there has been a lot of talk in America about a wall, right? Rebuilding the wall. So uh, I'm I'm going to tell you something. When you want to rebuild a wall, you're going to face a lot of obstacles in your life. Number one, the critical spirit. When you are following God's plan for your life, you will often find people who will be critical of you. Nehemiah was harshly criticized by Tobiah in Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 3. The critical spirit. I'm very familiar and I know most of you are familiar with the critical spirit. When the enemy does not like what you're doing, the enemy is going to send an army of people that will point your flaws, that will point at you, that will they will actually criticize you. They will not be happy. They're not going to sit around and just clap and, and say, wow, good on you, awesome, you're doing a great job. Most people, when they are not in agreement with the vision God has given you, they're going to oppose you. They're going to come against you. They're going to give you, you know, they're going to, they're going to be a headache. They're going to be almost like a stumbling stone as you are walking with a vision and you're trying to navigate through the critical spirits. Right? Jesus had to face the critical spirit. Jesus had to face the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all those weird names, you know. He had to face all those folks who had a critical spirit. How many of you have had to face in your life a critical spirit? When you are trying to give birth, when you're trying to embrace a vision, a plan, a breakthrough, a miracle, when you're trying to embrace the calling of God in your life, you will often come across the critical spirit. You know, I remember when I went to uh, Bible school and I was only 12 years old and I was the youngest Bible student in that Bible school. It was a miracle that I was admitted. You know, I started preaching at the age of 11. I've been in ministry officially 20 years. I just celebrated 20 years of ministry. I've been preaching in 48 nations and thousands of souls have given their life to Jesus around the world. And let me tell you something. When I say I've been preaching, full-time most people think well I rent your neighborhood no full-time in the nations traveling you know jumping from one plane to another my life has been completely committed to advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world that has been my main mission my calling my goal and even since I was a little boy I remember 
having revival meetings with my toys, you know. I remember lining them up and having a revival meeting with my toys in my room and laying hands on the toys, and the toys would fall under the power of God. I had a koala teddy bear. I was blessed with a koala teddy bear. I never thought God was going to call me to Australia many years later. Hello? Well, God speaks in different ways, and I was gifted a, a koala teddy bear when I was like eight or nine. And did I love playing with this koala teddy bear. It was my favorite. None of my friends had a koala teddy bear, and I was the only one in the community who had a koala teddy bear. My, one of my aunties, a gift from the United States, brought it to me, and I was like this kid with the koala teddy bear. Wow, I have a toy from Australia. Anyways, made in China, but, you know, from Australia. So I was really blessed to, you know, have revival meetings. So I started preaching around my community, in my town. You know, um, when you have a calling in your life, you are going to face the critical spirit. Head on, like that, head on. The critical spirit is going to come against you, your vision, your plan, your God-given calling, and your God-given destiny. And don't, don't be surprised if the critical spirit uh, is upset, angry, and if the critical spirit decides to attack you. Because the critical spirit is going to evolve into your enemy. The critical spirit is going to evolve into the, the battle that you're going to have to face. You know, sometimes we, we get upset. I'm like, oh, people are not supporting me. They don't believe in my calling. Oh, people don't like me. Oh, people don't agree with what I'm doing. Well, let me tell you something. A lot of people didn't agree with what Jesus was doing. Hello? A lot of people didn't agree with the calling, with the preaching, with his tone, with his approach. You know, even the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, if you keep preaching the way you're preaching, we're going to be standing here alone. No one is going to listen to you. And Jesus turned around and said, and so what? You guys want to go? You're welcome to go. Right? Basically, I'm rephrasing it. But Jesus said, so, are you guys going to go too? Are you, are you, are you, are you leaving me too? See, Jesus was never afraid of the critical spirit. He had to face it multiple times. How many of you have had to face critical spirits in your family, in your business, in your, in your working place? Come on. Hello? Am I the only one who has had to endure critical spirits? Critical spirits come in different shapes, forms, different ways. Your closest people will be critical of you. You just got to understand that it's part of the battle. Hello? But... What you, what you need to understand is that while you're facing the critical spirit, God is growing his character in you. God is growing your strength. God is growing your personality. God is growing you and he is maturing you and he's growing you into becoming a mighty man and a mighty woman. Come on. God is growing you. See, God will never waste time because he's forming you. See, when I went to Bible school, I was the youngest. I was 12. I was hanging out with all these pastors and apostles and prophets. And all of them were, you know, 18, 20, 25. And I was 12. And I was like the Bible school pet. Hello? So I was like hanging around with all these adults. And one of them, you know, very big guy, seven foot tall, you know, looked down on me one time and spoke to me in a condescending way. He said, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm studying the Bible. Yeah, right. So you're 12 years old? Yeah. Oh, you should, be go, you should be out there playing with your friends. You should be out there, you know, kicking a ball and playing soccer. You know, Costa Rica is famous for soccer, right? So you should be out there playing soccer. 
And I'm like, well, excuse me, but I feel like God has called me to do this. I feel like I'm called to be in ministry, and I'm not wanting to play soccer. And so I was committed. I was sold out. I was completely, you know, surrendered. When, when you come to a point in your life where you know where God is taking you, no one can take that vision away from you. Come on. No one can take that dream away from you. Come on. No one can rob the destiny that God has already given you since you were in your mother's womb hello you got to believe it you got to embrace your destiny and you got to rebuild the wall amen tell your neighbor you got to build that wall around your family come on Come on, build a wall around the city. Build a wall around Australia. Let's pray for revival in Australia. Let's pray for another great move of God in this nation. We need to build a wall. Amen? So, critical spirit, Mark chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. Jesus had to face a critical spirit many times, but he always had an answer for his critics. Now, blackmail and gossip is part of the battle. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 2. Don't give up even when your friends oppose you because they don't agree with your assignment. Sometimes you have to do what is not popular and obey his calling. Oh, I like this. Hello? You've got to obey his calling above pleasing people. You've got to obey his calling above pleasing even your own family. You've got to obey his calling. Hello? His calling is what matters. His opinion is what matters. And, and you've got to know this in your spirit. John Allen, who was a great missionary, he went to India, a small island off the coast of India, and he died for the sake of the gospel. I'm talking about one of the recent missionaries who gave his life for the sake of the gospel. But I can talk about Livingstone. I can talk about all these great missionaries, uh, you know, Charles Finney and all these great men of God who went to nations and they actually gave up their life and their luxury and their comfortable homes in the United States and England and they went to very remote places in the world because they had a calling. How many of you have a calling here? Come on, raise your hand. You're like, I have a calling, but I have no idea what it is. Well, God's going to show you. God is going to show you what it is. Your calling is connected to your passion. Write it down. Your calling is connected to your passion, and your passion is connected to your assignment, and your assignment is connected to your destiny. It's a threefold, you know, layer where God is going to show you your calling, your assignment, and your passion. And those things will line up. And the moment the stars line up, don't wait too long. Because a lot of people are like, I'm waiting for another confirmation. I'm waiting for another prophecy. I'm waiting for another, you know, prophet to come from Africa and prophesy that I'm called and chosen. Then I'm going to do it. Let me tell you something. If God sends an angel with a hammer and says, you are called, if you are not determined and if you are not willing, you're not going. Simple as that. Don't wait for another confirmation because that is basically what you're doing is, you know, procrastinating. You're saying, God, not, not now, later. Not now, later. Not now, later. When you have a calling, embrace yourself for a journey that is going to be full of blackmail and gossip. Hello? How many of you enjoy that? I don't enjoy it at all. You know, I have a, a, a YouTube channel and I have a lot of people there who don't write very nice things. 
you know, and, and they're followers. And I, I'm like, I don't understand why you're following me if you are saying that my parents, you know, uh, uh, used me and you're saying that this and that and you're criticizing me and you're criticizing my preaching. Why in the world would you bother follow my YouTube channel if you're going to just say horrible things about me? So then I go, delete, 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 delete. I don't bother with the critical spirit anymore. I don't bother with blackmailing gossip anymore. Because I know Jesus went through the same things. Hello? But when you have a kingdom character and a kingdom culture already established in your life, no matter if Tobiah says, hey, even a fox will destroy your wall. Even if a fox jumps over your wall, that wall is going to become nothing. Imagine, how many Tobias have you met in your life? Oh, I can, count. I can tell you, I've met a lot of Tobias. And they are in leadership, and they are very, very, very good and, and eloquent people and very gifted people. Yet they become your worst nightmare when you're trying to do the will of God in your life. Hello? But you got to understand who you are. you got to understand what your calling is. you got to understand where you're going. you got to understand your destiny. You are destined to do great things for the Lord. Amen. I said you are destined to do great things for the Lord. Come on, church. Did you have a coffee this morning? I had one, so I'm, I'm all, you know, wired up. Amen. I said, you are destined to do great things. Amen. Amen. This missionary, John Allen, went back to the island. His friends told him, don't go back. I know a lot of Christians criticized him. Oh, a lot of Christians nailed him on Facebook. They were exposing him on Facebook and saying, what a foolish young man. What, a, what, a, what an immature young man. He was told not to go back to the island. And yet he went back to the island. He disobeyed God. He went out of his own will. And yet God didn't protect him. Let me tell you something. When you get to heaven, you should go and ask John Allen why he went back to the island. But don't speculate. Don't draw conclusions. We're not any, we are not to gossip. We are not to criticize. We, before we have a critical opinion of somebody or something, we, go, we got to pray for that person. We got to pray and, and examine our hearts. Is our critical opinion going to build someone or is it going to just waste my time? Hello? We can't be critical. Blackmail. You're going to experience blackmail and gossip is part of the battle. Don't give up. Obedience will never make you popular. Especially when you're going against the opinion of everyone else. His opinion matters because it shapes your destiny. Come on. Oh, I want you to write that down. His opinion matters because it shapes your destiny. I'm going to say it one more time. His opinion matters because it shapes your destiny. Not somebody else's opinion. Not what your neighbor or somebody else has to say. You know, when, my, when I went on my first mission trip, and I was only 11 years old, and my dad was, uh, you know, he had a dream. He saw me leaving. He saw me off at the airport. And uh, it was all supernatural how God led us to this point. Because my dad was not a believer. Hey, my dad was not a believer, and I was invited by a missionary to go to Venezuela, and I was only 11 years old. And all my neighbors and all my friends and all of the family members, they were all saying, oh, be careful. Don't, don't, don't you understand that out there in the world they sell, you know, kids, and they, you know, they do these things, and they do awful things, and they sell their organs, and blah, 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 blah. Have you heard about that? 
right? So my family had to put up with that for like two weeks. People coming and going and saying, be careful and warning us and showing us and telling us, you know, you, don't you send your kid. He's only 11 years old. What happens if he gets kidnapped or, or he gets, you know, something happens to him in Venezuela? And we knew what God was saying. We knew because God had given us a plan. God had given me a dream. He had given me prophetic words. And God said that he was going to send me. He provided everything. I had never been overseas. God provided everything. And God gave a dream to my dad before I went and asked his permission. And I went to my dad and I said, well, I have something to share with you. And my dad looked across the table and he said, I have something to share with you too. And I'm like, all right, you go first. And so my dad said, well, I had a dream last night and I saw you going overseas. And I'm like, well, I'm here to share with you that I've been invited to go to Venezuela in, in two weeks and they're paying for my airfare. And it's like, go ahead. And he was not even a believer. Hello. I mean, that's amazing when you think about it, right? Now that I'm a dad and, uh, and if someone says, uh, I want to take your six-year-old on a mission trip, I'm going to do a lot of background checks. You know, because, I mean, I got to have that conviction from God, from heaven, that what I'm doing is actually right. Correct? So, obedience will never make you popular. Nehemiah 4 verse 6 says, be determined and run with a vision God has given you, no matter what people may say about you. Your enemies will arise, but God will ultimately give you the victory. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 7, the enemies will never sit around and watch you prosper, but God will come through for you. The enemy has been defeated as Jesus made victory available for you on the cross. When you read Deuteronomy uh, chapter 20 verse 4 and John chapter 16 verse 33 and 1 John chapter 5 verse 4, you will understand that Jesus made a victory available for you and your family. And when you face a critical spirit, blackmail and gossip, then the enemy is going to say, okay, let's change our approach. He is not going anywhere. He is not giving up. He is not letting go. He is like, he knows where he's going. All right, well, he's going up the mountain. Let's change our approach. Now let's turn it into a battle. And how many of you have gone through that battle before? Where you're no longer facing the critical spirit. You're no longer, you don't even care if people agree with you or disagree. You don't care if people are gossiping. You don't care what people are saying. But now you have to face, not people, but you are facing the, the enemy. Hello? You're facing sickness. You're facing fear. You're facing debt. You're facing, uh, you know, financial pressure. You're facing calamity. You're facing the storm. You're right in the middle of the storm. And you're like, okay, now my battle has been upgraded. Now I'm no longer facing people. Now I'm facing the real enemy. Jesus had to face the real enemy. We often have had experiences where we had to face the real enemy. When I was eight, I was diagnosed with cancer. Right in between my lungs and my heart. And Jesus came through and healed me supernaturally. I'm a living miracle because of God's promises. Amen. That tumor disappeared. It was gone. After we prayed for three months and I went back to the doctor. They did an x-ray. They couldn't find a trace of cancer. God healed me. See, I've seen miracles. Many miracles over my lifetime. But let me tell you something. Last year we saw an incredible miracle. 
And I hope, honey, you don't mind me sharing this. And we're going to be very vulnerable here because I want you to know that we go through battles as well. And you may be looking at us and saying, oh, you preachers, you don't go through battles. You have no idea what it means to suffer. You have no idea what it means to go through, you know, pain. It means to have a regular life, an ordinary life, and go through all the battles. We went through a huge battle last year. We almost lost Celeste, our one-year-old, who is back there. She's full of giggles and likes cuddles, you know. Celeste was a miracle. She was a miracle. And I almost lost my wife two weeks later because of DNC, a DNC going completely wrong. I almost lost her. I was in the, I was in the um, ICU waiting room and I was praying. It was, 10, it was 10 p.m. and I had my phone. I didn't have anybody with me and the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to play healing scriptures. And I'm like, God, I thought the DNC was going to be 20 minutes long because that's what the doctor said. Yeah, it's going to be 20 minutes long. It's just going to be a normal procedure. It should be fine. One hour went by. Two hours went by. Two and a half hours. And I was just playing healing scriptures, healing scriptures. And have you ever heard Benny Hinn's healing scriptures on YouTube? I mean, they're amazing. I know some of you don't like Benny Hinn, but I, I, I don't care. I, I like the scriptures. Hello? I like the scriptures. I like the word of God. Anyways, so I started playing the scriptures and the part of God filled the, the, the waiting room. And I was there by myself. And I didn't have anyone with me. No intercessor. No one that I could get any feedback. No one. It was like 11 p.m., 12 midnight. And I was fighting with the spirit of death. I was fighting with the spirit of death. And let me tell you something. When 1 o'clock in the morning came and that doctor went through the doors and said, your wife is doing much better we managed to we managed to get her out of this critical situation and she's doing fine I just felt the presence of God and I said thank you Jesus he had given me a victory and I had to fight it I had to fight it how many of you have had to fight for your wife for your spouse come on raise your hand how many of you have had to fight for your children you know, there have been moments where we had to fight for our children. You know, we've had a lot of near misses, especially when you're driving and everything is going great and you're going to a church meeting and all of a sudden someone decides to do something that you don't expect. Hello? We are going through a battle on a daily basis, but I have good news for you. Greater is the one who is in us than the one who is in this world. Come on, church. Greater is the one who is in us. God has given us a promise. He has given us a word, and we need to believe that. Amen. Your enemies will arise, but God will give you the victory. Prayer is the key to rebuild the wall around you and your family. James chapter 5 verse 16. Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3. And Luke chapter 6 verse 27 and 28. Prayer is the key to see the victory. And Nehemiah understood this key. And he often used it, even in his own journey, rebuilding the wall. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 9. When you understand the power of prayer, you will not underestimate it. Hello. 
When you understand that when you pray, heaven's open. When you pray, you are, uh, you are actually entitled. As a child of God, you are entitled. You have the authority to dispatch angels, to send angels in your favor, to actually, you have the authority to release and unlock and loose. Come on. You have the authority to pray, and you have the authority to bind. You have the authority to release. You have the authority to heal. You have have the authority to cast out demons. You gotta understand the authority you carry. You know, when you know who you are in Christ, you don't speak to the devil. Hey, devil, excuse me, get out of here, out of my way, please. No, you don't. You're not too kind with the devil, are you? You know, I've heard other people praying. I'm not criticizing them, but I've heard them praying. They're going through deliverance, and they're like playing, you know, not playing, praying gently. And they're like, excuse me, devil, in the name of Jesus, we bind you. We know you're the spirit of the seed, and we bind you in the name of Jesus. I'm like, let me tell you something. The devil is not deaf, but the devil is not that gentle either. So you don't talk to the devil like he's a, a lady. You talk to the devil like he's a father of all lies. You kick him out and you tell him who he is. And you remind him of his future. And you tell him, get lost in the name of Jesus. Use your authority. Hello? And when the enemy lies and reminds you of your present and your past. You know the enemy will often do that. Hello? He will often come back and say, remember that time when you were doing the, 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 the things in the world and you were out there partying and having fun? Remember, and you're trying to worship and then the enemy brings these flashes and these memories and you're like, oh my goodness, I just want to focus. I just want to pray. I just want to have a good time in the presence of God. And then all of a sudden you are dealing with images that you don't want to even, you don't want to think about. Hello? Well, in that, you need to use the authority and tell the enemy, enemy, you may know my past, but I know my future. You may know my past, but I know who I am. You may know my past, but I know where I'm going. And I know your future. And the Bible says that you're going to be thrown into a lake of fire. And you're going to be condemned for all eternity. And I'm going to be cheering on in heaven for the salvation of the saints. Come on. I'm going to be out there in heaven rejoicing and celebrating while you are in a lake of fire. I'm going to be in heaven. How many of you rejoice that you're going to be in heaven? Come on, raise your hand. But you're like, well, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Well, if you don't know, you better make sure this morning, right now. Like, well, I'm not sure. Nobody's guaranteed. Oh, I'm telling you, you know, if you know that you're going to heaven, you know. And if you have any hesitation or doubts, if you don't know if you're truly saved or born again, this morning you can surrender your life and recommit your life to Jesus. Repositioning for victory. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 13. Be ready to take over the enemy and position yourself for victory. The Lord knew about this move a long time ago. And the Lord spoke to us, gave me a lot of prophetic words, a dream. I remember when I was in Lakeland, Florida, many years ago, the Lord showed me a picture of the Australian map set on fire. And the Lord spoke to me and said these words, Australia will be the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. 
And I never heard those words before. Let me tell you, never heard those words before. Never knew the, the legacy. Never knew the historical, uh, you know, legacy behind those words. Let me tell you something. Have you heard of uh, Pedro Quiroz? You know, the, the one of, the, um, coloni- one of the, the ones who came and kind of, uh, he, he wanted to come to Australia. But he didn't reach Australia. He was one of those first, uh, you know, colonizers who came. I think Pedro was a, a Portuguese guy. But he couldn't make it all the way here. Otherwise, you would be old speaking Portuguese. Hello? But he was spirit-filled. He was born again. And he reached uh, Vanuatu. He reached the Spirit of Santo Island. And he said from Vanuatu, that land, the land down under, that land over there in the south shall be called the gray south land of the Holy Spirit. Come on. Isn't that awesome? See, Australia has a rich, rich, rich Christian history. Rich Christian legacy, rich Christian and prophetic destiny. Don't let the enemy tell you that we are a secular nation. Don't let the enemy tell you that, that, that there is no hope for this nation. Don't let the enemy lie to you and say that this is going to be it and we're going to get worse and there's going to be a lot of persecution and they're going to shut us down. No, because while the Holy Spirit is in action, the church is going to grow. Oh, you're not too excited. I said, while the Holy Spirit is in action, the church is going to grow. While there's miracles, signs, and wonders, the church is growing, my friends. We're not going anywhere. God is doing something. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com dot com dot au